0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Leah Walsh, and this is Rosette, the podcast. Hey, folks. It's Leah and thank you for joining us today. I have a bit of an apology that I wanna give which is around the timing of this episode. So last episode was about a week ago, and I've been having some technical difficulties. And also there have been sort of some like personal life developments that have kind of kept me from being able to record. And so between those two things, I've actually um, not been able to keep up the daily Monday through Fridays that I've been hoping to do. So... I have sort of thought about it and um, I think just for the sustainability of the podcast that we're going to switch to a weekly podcast. The last episode prior to this one was on a Thursday. So I thought, you know what, let's do Thursdays. It seems as good a day as any. And uh, so Thursdays are the new day that I'm going to be dropping podcasts. And of course, because... Um, There's this change to a less frequent podcast. I'm hoping to be able to sort of do longer, more um, detailed episodes as well that are not just sort of these like snack size, like 15, 20 minute episodes that you can sort of um, gobble up right away. (laughs) Um, But these will be a little bit more fleshed out and sort of diving a bit deeper into topics and elaborating a bit more or like taking on maybe like a little bit juicier a topic. And being able to do that. And also just like I found that when I started, I really thought that like 15, 20 minute episodes were super great, like they would work fine. But the more I started doing these interviews with these really fascinating people, the more I started realizing that like cutting that down to 20 minutes was really hard because there was so much good information that they had to share. And you'll notice in those those episodes that, like, I barely say anything, like, because there's so much good stuff that my guest is saying that, like, I just want to cut everything else out. And so, yeah, like, I think just in terms of being able to have, like, really great, like, fleshed out interviews and, like, important content that sort of dives a bit deeper, I think it's a better format overall. And for the sustainability of it, I think the only reason that I've been able to sort of keep up so far is because I have not had sort of the technological and, like, personal life and like professional life challenges that have been showing up Fair Trade Month. Fair Trade Month is incredibly hectic around here because, I, you know, it's a fair trade business and it's so busy. So like the number of orders I get in May is like three or four times as many as I get the rest of the year. So I'm just like constantly struggling to keep up with like picking and packing orders and like making sure people are getting their stuff. And of course, this past week was the chocolate order deadline. And so everyone was like trying to rush to get their orders in and such. And that was like a big part too of just how I could not could not keep up with like recording and everything um, but also I was having a lot of trouble with sort of like sound interference with my recording there was a, a there were there was trouble <laughs> so um, I'm really sorry that I wasn't able to do sort of a Monday through Friday like I had hoped to be able to do but we are gonna continue doing weekly podcasts because you've all been so sweet and I'm really glad to be able to say that like I do plan to continue this past fair trade month which originally was sort of like a Up in the air of like I don't know like does this exist outside of Fair Trade Month or like is a season Fair Trade Month and then next year's Fair Trade Month and then next year's Fair Trade Month (laughs) Um, but yeah like I think it it makes sense to me to continue sort of the ongoing conversation throughout the year about fair trade and people have been really receptive to this idea as well. Um, I also announced a Q&A that I'm not actually going to be able to do this week because I have to do this announcement and also the content for this episode today for this for this podcast. So there's not going to be time for the Q&A this week. So I am going to have to do your questions in the following podcast. So there is still time to send those in. You can send them to podcast at rosettenetwork.com and it's R-O-S-E-T-T-E for Rosette. And you can also send them to us at Rosette Network. Work on Instagram, Facebook, we are on Twitter. I can I can check the inbox, even though it's not super. Um busy on Twitter. Um, But uh, yeah, so I'm still accepting those questions. I've gotten lots of really fun ones. Thank you for that. But I'm happy to take some more and we can kind of try to whittle them down. And like if there's some really interesting questions, I'll make sure that they get put in as well. So that's I think all of the like housekeeping I had. But thank you all for your concern. I had a few people being like, um, hi, (laughs) is everything okay? Um, Everything is okay. It's just been really hectic. And there's been sort of some some stuff going on in my life. So So I I appreciate your concern and I really appreciate you also joining us and sticking with me for the for this podcast, this episode and everything. So um, so happy Thursday. And that's going to be we're going to have only happy Thursdays from now on because that's going to be our new podcast day. So that's exciting. So today's episode, um, (laughs) this will come as no surprise to anyone who joined us for the episode where I interviewed Eli. Actually, I I wasn't per se interviewing him, but he was helping me to talk about the fair trade principle where it's no child labor and no forced labor. I had Eli, my partner, on to help me with it. And he was talking about um, his pet peeve and mine too, uh, where people talk about direct trade as though it is the same as fair trade. And so this episode, we're gonna. Well, I say we, but it's, it is just me, unfortunately. i um, going to talk about what fair trade versus direct trade relationship is. The two, I guess, I mean, I hesitate to call direct trade a movement because it's not really a movement per se. But the, the two ideas, I guess, I'm going to talk a little bit about sort of what what they have in common and what what makes them different from one another. So, first things first, we've talked a lot about, you know, fair trade 101. We've done the 10 principles of fair trade. We've gone through all of that stuff. I am going to just really quickly sort of define what I'm talking about when I say direct trade. So, the basic premise of direct trade when we're talking about it in relation to businesses or companies, and this is oftentimes when we hear direct trade, we're, we are talking about coffee. It is the most common people for brands to like promote their, their product as direct trade, but it can be other industries as well. And so when we say direct trade, basically what we're talking about is that there is a personal relationship between the producer and the buyer or the company and the idea is that that's that's shortening the supply chain and so it's just producer company consumer so it's it's really direct i mean that's that's it's in the name for a reason it is it is a big part of of what that is and so basically there there are a few different reasons why companies will use the term direct trade One of the main benefits for companies is that they have more control over the the produce that they're buying. So if they're looking for a certain quality of produce, if they want to have like, imagine they have a particular type of uh, coffee that they want to be able to provide, if they have a certain flavor profile they're looking for if they really want to be able to customize that coffee, you know, make sure they're purchasing like exactly the coffee that aligns with their brand or whatever it might be, they have more control over it if it's direct trade. So because they're actually typically familiar with the farmer and familiar, like they can go and like actually go to the farm and like grab some beans and try them and so on. Um, it tends to be that they're able to to have more control in that situation. And so companies love direct trade typically because the alternative of direct trade and this is something that you see a lot with really large companies, well, sort of like mid-sized companies actually because the really large companies tend to own their own plantations. But the sort of mid-sized companies will basically be buying from people who so there's okay, let's let's go back a bit. <laughs> So let's talk about coffee. Um, so if you're a dude in the mountains on a smallholder farm and you grow coffee, you probably don't have a lot of options for selling that coffee. There's something called coyotes. They call them in Latin America anyway. I don't know. If it, I'm sure they exist everywhere, but in Latin America, they're, they're known as coyotes. And what they do is they basically go around with a truck and they know where all the farms are. And so they go around and they say, hey, man, I'll take your your coffee beans for like a dollar. And it's like, it's a really, they offer a really low price and they know, as does the producer, that coffee cherries have to be, the first processing of those cherries has to happen within 24 hours or else they go rotten and they're worth nothing. So if you're a really small producer, you may not actually have the means to process your coffee cherries into coffee, like green coffee beans. And so if you're in that situation you're a little bit desperate. You like really need to sell them quickly. You can't just sit around and wait. So from the time they come off the tree to the time that they're processed, you got a 24 hour window. So these coyotes go around in their truck and they know these producers are pretty like desperate and in a hurry. So they'll go to them and be like, yeah, hey, I'll give you like a a fraction of what your coffee is worth, but at least I'll take it from you and you'll get a little something for it. It'll be rotten in 12 hours. So these farmers often will do that because they're desperate, as I say. And when you don't have like sort of the organization that you get with cooperatives and fair trade, all this stuff that we were talking about before where you have capacity building and, you know, people are learning from each other and all this stuff and collaborating if you don't have that and you're just a person alone in the hills, you may not know what your coffee is worth. You may not have a lot of options. Maybe you can't get your coffee to market anyway. So this is really the only person you can sell to. So if this is the case, then these coyotes basically go around to dozens of farms, get all these beans, they dump them in a bucket. And then this big tub, they they send, you know, wherever they're processing these these coffee cherries. And then all of those different coffees are mixed together into a barrel and sold at the market, at the port, sold internationally, wherever it may be. But that's a bunch of different farms worth of coffee in a big old barrel or a bucket or a, or a tub or whatever. So basically, all of the coffee gets mixed together. And that's how you end up with a, a really like meh grade of coffee. And I know that's not a technical term, but the the coffee is not the highest quality when it's mixed in with all the different other coffees, because you sort of get like an average of the the things about each bean that makes it unique. And so it kind of waters down the, the complexity of that coffee by just sort of like averaging it all out across all these beans. Plus, there's probably going to be some beans in there that aren't very good quality. So it's going to overall, it'll lower the, the grade of the coffee. And so coming back to direct trade, if you are going to a farm, getting your coffee from that farm, you know exactly what you're getting versus the person who's getting coffee out of this big old bucket that the coyote has basically bought from a bunch of different people processed and is now selling as i say at the port or maybe they're exporting it to their their buyers or whatever it may be. So you're able to get a little bit more control in that way. And that's a really big perk for companies because companies love control because consumers love consistency. And that's something that, you know, you learn as a small business owner like consumers if they find something they like, they want to be able to duplicate it easily. And so having a coffee that you know is always going to taste the same, that is really beneficial for a company. So companies love direct trade for that reason. Typically, and I'm going to say this is a pro for, for consumers and for businesses and also for obviously producers, but typically under direct trade, producers are paid better than in conventional trade, but not typically better than fair trade. So, It's sort of like if you're looking at, you know, a conventional farmer that is just, again, at at the mercy of these coyotes who turn up and give them peanuts for their coffee... That's obviously a bad situation for the farmer. You're looking at farmers getting more than that typically if you're in a direct trade relationship. Part of the reason that they can do that, of course, is because the buyer now doesn't have to pay an an exporter, an importer, a distributor, all these different people who are along the line in the supply chain. So they can cut out all those people and they can just give the money directly to the farmer. So that tends to improve the amount that they can afford to give the farmer really easily. And so the farmer does tend to get a better wage than they would if they were just dealing with, you know, um, whatever they could get at the market or again, dealing with these people in trucks who are just going around and like basically being predators to to small coffee farmers. So this is something that is beneficial to the farmer. Although I want to be clear, it's not more beneficial than fair trade. So if anyone tries to tell you, oh, well, we pay like better than fair trade prices, that's, um, That's a misleading statement because fair trade prices have a bottom, but they don't have a top. So some fair trade companies are paying more than others, um, but all fair trade companies are paying at least the minimum. So you can't make statements like we pay more than fair trade because maybe they're paying more than the fair trade minimum, but they're not paying more than every fair trade company probably because some companies are paying way more than the minimum. The other thing is that, when you have direct trade, you have that like personal relationship. You'll remember that at one point I was talking about uh, fair trading practices, I think it was, And we were talking about, or well, I was talking about um, how there's a big difference between contacting, say, like a a big chocolate company that, you know, like a big multinational corporation that makes chocolate bars and being like, where does my where does the the cocoa come from in your chocolate? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, it's like somewhere in like West Africa. (laughs) And they have no idea where it comes from. They just they just don't know. And then I said, well, you you call up Camino and they'll be like, oh, yeah, it's from this farm in like this region of Peru. And like the name of the cooperative is this and the manager is this. And like and oh, yeah. And, and his wife just had the baby and they're both doing great or whatever was like the example I gave, because it's like that really personal kind of relationship where you're like actually having these ongoing long-term relationships with people. And so that piece is possible with direct trade. So that piece where you've got that ongoing relationship and you can really deepen like the storytelling behind your product and those types of things, that is possible in direct trade. And I don't want to underplay that. That is probably, I would say the most benefit beneficial part of the direct trade idea is that that is very present in fair trade and is a very positive thing also in fair trade. So when we talk about direct trade, I would say that is the biggest strength of it is that you know these people and you actually can tell stories about, you know, what their practices are like, what their uh, struggles are as farmers. You could talk about how they have owned the farm for however many generations. You can like talk about, that producer's story. And that is a very positive thing. So it really helps with sort of the storytelling behind the brand as well. And so that's another reason why companies like Direct Trade. The other thing, and I would say this is really only a benefit for the company because, you know, I don't feel like anyone else is really benefiting from this, but there is a certain like label appeal. And that's another reason why a lot of companies are jumping on the the direct trade bandwagon. There is a certain trendiness to it. So people will see it on the label and be like, oh, why yes, I will choose this direct trade one because this one over here does not say direct trade on it. So it gives label appeal. It gives a leg up to a company. If they are promoting their product as direct trade, they are going to sell more because consumers find that it seems appealing. When they see it, they have an idea in their mind. So, like when they hear the words direct trade, they have an image in their mind of what that means. And does that match with what the company is doing? Not necessarily, but there is an image in their mind. And the company can exploit that to create a positive connection with their brand. So, whether they're doing all those things or not, the consumer can believe that those things are true and will like the brand better for it the best example of this that I can that I can think of those um, those listening may not know this but I'm actually a soap maker by trade so I make bar soap um, I take fat and lie and I put them together and I make soap just like in you know insert all of the Fight club jokes here um, I get them all the time trust me and that is what I do sort of for my day job is I make soap and is there any scientific, evidence that goat milk is better for the skin than any other kind of like fat-based substance? No. We have absolutely no scientific proof that goat milk is better for you than cow's milk, better for you than coconut milk, (laughs) better for you than coconut oil or shea butter or whatever it might be in terms of your skin. Um, So like as a soap maker, most of the time I'm just kind of like, oh, forget this nonsense about goat milk because like it doesn't actually do anything special and we have all sorts of other options and it'll be fine. But then we'll go to a fair or something and the number of people that come up to our table and say, hey, have you got anything with goat's milk in it? (laughs) And we'll just be like, I mean, we have this one that has like, we have like a three milk bar. It has like cow's milk, goat's milk, coconut milk, I think are the three that are in it. Um... They'll, they'll be like, oh, but I want like just goat's milk soap, like just goat's milk. And, you know, my partner and I kind of just look at each other and and we're like, I mean, <laughs> but it doesn't do anything, you know. But the thing is, it doesn't matter because in that customer's brain, it matters. It makes a difference. It is what that customer is looking for. And the fact that they believe that it does something is what matters. And so as a small business, we kind of look at each other and say, OK, well, I mean, it doesn't make any difference, but let's come out with a goat's milk soap. So we are developing a goat's milk soap now. And like, I think that's the best example I can give as to the types of, of things that companies do based on these sort of images that are in customers' heads. You know, they have an idea. It makes them feel positively towards something. And so companies are like, okay, great. It doesn't matter if we match that idea. It doesn't matter, um, you know, if like we deliver exactly what this person's hoping for. They have an idea in their head and it makes them feel warm and fuzzy. And if we put that on our package and we, you know, sell that to them, then we're going to increase our sales. So that is definitely one part of what's happening with the whole direct trade idea with these companies. So that's a bit of like sort of why companies are doing direct trade or like why direct trade has kind of taken off in particular with coffee. But there's also some things I wanted to talk about that are, you know, people people try to say that direct trade and fair trade are the same or even that direct trade is better than fair trade which is complete and utter nonsense. And I don't only say that because I'm a fair trade girl. (laughs) I'm not just like standing for fair trade without any reason. There are tons of reasons why that is not true. But I wanted to talk a little bit about those and sort of give a bit of background around why, um, why it's important to remember that there are two different ideas. So the thing about direct trade is that it only focuses on what the buyer or the company wants to focus on. So aside from the direct trade relationship, like shortening the supply chain and buying directly from the farmer, there are no requirements of direct trade. There is no like direct trade, like world direct trade organization, (laughs) like we have the World Fair Trade Organization. There is no like certifier that says, yes, this is direct trade with, you know, so-and-so producer, there is no third-party oversight in direct trade. There's nobody overseeing it. So literally, it is what the farmer and the company say. And the reason why fair trade is so crucial is that there is that third-party piece. There is somebody coming in from the outside saying, okay, I'm looking at what you're doing and I'm saying it has a stamp of approval. Of course, a company is gonna think that what they're doing is great. I'll go back to what I was talking about in um, the episode with Eli, which was the fifth principle of fair trade, by the way, for <laughs> no uh, forced labor or no child labor. The example I gave of Cadbury, where they were like, they had fair trade certification on their dairy milk bar. And then they had changed to this thing that I looked it up. It's called Coco Plan. And it's basically, yeah, it's just, it's just a label that they made up. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, this fair trade thing is... Uh, Oh man, we gotta actually work at this. so uh, why don't we just make up a new label and put it on the package and that'll that'll do the same thing and so i I mean, I don't think it fools most people if I'm being honest, but in case anyone is fooled, it's not fair trade it's not even close to the same thing. It's literally just a symbol that they put on the on the package. They probably are doing a bunch of shady nonsense, so um, you know, the idea of having that oversight is important exactly for that reason, because of course Cadbury puts a thing on their package saying, we're the greatest. Our stuff is sustainable and ethical and great. There's nobody to argue with them because they don't have the kind of transparency and the kind of accountability that you get when you have a third party organization, which is another principle of fair trade. That's the second principle of fair trade is transparency and accountability, by the way. um, So with direct trade, nobody's turning up with a clipboard and being like, all right, so how much are they paying you? Okay, great. That sounds good. And there's no middleman. Okay, great. That's good. And uh, you have direct contact with the buyer. Okay, great. That's good. Nobody's doing any of that. There's nobody turning up and checking in. It's just the buyer saying, this is what we're doing. And the farmer saying, whatever. I mean, (laughs) I I have this image of a farmer like basically bound and gagged and like they just pull down the the gag long enough to like put a microphone in his face and say, now tell them how great we are. Um, But like probably that's not actually happening. Like probably they're fine. Um, But it could be that situation because there are literally no other requirements except that it be a direct trade relationship. And the other thing too, the words direct trade are not regulated whatsoever. If you're a fair trade product and you put the fair trade marks, like any of the like symbols on your product, those symbols are trademarked. So you can't just put them on if you don't qualify because you could be sued. Well, nobody is suing anyone for putting the words direct trade on their package. So they could theoretically not even have a direct trade relationship and put that on the package. Right. Like nobody's going around as the direct trade police and being like, oh, wait, you put those words on your package. But because, again, there's no oversight. Let's assume, let's be kind, we'll be generous, and we'll assume that only people who are really directly trading with farmers are putting direct trade on their package. We'll be generous, okay? The problem with saying that direct trade is the same as fair trade or better than fair trade is like saying that a thumb is the same as or better than a hand, because direct trade is only one piece of fair trade. It's missing all the fingers. It's missing the palm. It's mi- missing the wrist. It doesn't have all of the things that a hand has. So it might be an extraordinary thumb. It could be an excellent thumb. It's got like a beautiful color of nail polish on it. It's well moisturized. It's a, it's, a, it's a brilliant thumb. Doesn't matter. It's still a thumb. It's not a hand, right? So it's only one piece of what fair trade is doing. And you can't take out that one piece and say that one piece, it's better than the whole. It's, it's not better than the whole. It is a piece of the whole and it could be a beautiful piece as I say, but it's not the same. It is a different thing and it is only one piece of what fair trade does. So it's important to keep that in mind when we're talking about this stuff. There are no labor standards built into direct trade. There are no eco standards built into direct trade. There are no buyer codes of conduct built into direct trade. There's no nothing saying that the buyer can't turn up and try to exploit the farmer as much as possible in direct trade. None of that is there. So all of these ideas around direct trade and how great they are and and you know all of that stuff it is completely up to the buyer the buyer still holds a lot of power in that relationship. They can turn up and be super benevolent and be like, you know what, man, I don't want to cheat you. Like, let's make sure we come up with like a negotiation on a fair price. And let's make sure that you have an equal say in this relationship. And let's make sure that there's like a long-term buying relationship here. So you have stability. They could turn up and do all of those things. They could, they absolutely could, but they don't have to. And that's exactly the key, is that they don't have to do any of that. All they have to do is buy directly from that farmer. And the other thing is that they have no control over what that farmer is doing. They don't know that there aren't children on the farm. They don't know that the workers are being paid and being paid fairly. They don't know that the farmers are being kind to the workers and providing protective gear if they're using any kind of like chemicals or whatever. They don't know any of that or they don't have to anyway. And so the issue with direct trade, I think comes back to sort of the idea with the goat's milk. You know, consumers have an idea in their head that this is a really positive thing. But the problem is that there's no actual evidence that it is a positive thing. Because sure, okay, maybe by trading directly with the farmer, they get a better wage. But you know what? there's no requirement for that either in direct trade. The only requirement is that they're trading directly with the farmer. So maybe they're paying a cent above what those coyotes would give the farmer. That could be it. It doesn't make any kind of requirement for a decent wage, for a fair trading practice, any of that stuff. So I just want to make sure that I'm really impressing on everyone the fact that direct trade can be great, but it is not fair trade. And the key difference is that no one is holding anyone accountable for direct trade. And so direct trade means whatever the company wants it to mean. And the fact that customers have a certain idea in their mind when they hear the words direct trade, that's beneficial to the company because they can exploit that and they can say, "Okay, people feel great about direct trade, but consumers don't actually know what's happening unless they're they're told and they can trust the company to be honest." about what is actually happening behind the scenes. So I think that's about what I had to say about direct trade. Um, I wanted to uh, give a special shout out to Eli for recommending this topic. He was really impassioned about it. And he was saying how I should do an episode on fair washing. And I said, well, I mean, that's going to be a whole series on fair washing. But um, basically, direct trade is a form of fair washing. It is a form of saying, sure, we're fair trade light, and but but sort of like whispering the light part, you know, they, they, they say we're fair trade light. <laughs> you know, that's sort of how people have been presenting direct trade. And it's it's just it's not fair trade. So I just wanted to sort of clear up some of these ideas that are out there around the idea of direct trade. Do I think that direct fair trade is better than I don't know, pretty much everything else. Yeah. But it's because the fair trade component is in there. And so direct trade is better than nothing. It is not better than fair trade. And if you want to make sure you have the best of all worlds, you get your fair trade organic item that is also directly traded. And then we're good. We cover all the bases. Um, I want to give a special shout out to Level Ground actually in this episode because they're a really awesome company that's been, been doing direct fair trade organic for literally years. They're the second oldest fair trade coffee roaster in Canada and they do amazing work. They recently got Certified from Fairtrade International for their coffee, which, as I said um, when I mentioned them a few episodes back, like I feel is a really strong um, certifier for agricultural goods. So for me, that's a, a huge upgrade from Fairtrade Federation, which they were already a member of. Uh, which fair, the federation largely it, they do a lot of like. Um, hand handicrafts and things like that. Um, so they're not maybe as strict on the standards for agricultural goods. So I was really pleased to see Level Ground switch the Fair Trade International System, which is like super stringent on agricultural stuff. They're just sort of like blowing Fair Trade standards out of the water. They are so great. And they're they have a really fascinating. I, I encourage you to check out their website and learn more about them. It's, it's just uh, I think it's just levelground.com or maybe level ground trading. I will, you know what? Don't trust me. I will put it in the show notes. (laughs) Um, But they are doing a lot of really great work. They have this really cool, like, super sustainable, like, like incredibly low waste, um, factory in, I believe, Victoria. They have tons of sustainability initiatives. They have like, they have like a dozen waste streams so they can like recycle everything imaginable. And like, they're just doing some really great work. So check out Level Ground. Um, we sell it on, uh, Rosette Fairtrade and also, I think they have like a like a web store and you can I mean, level ground is everywhere. So like if you look on in your in your if you're in the West half of Canada, probably like I think they're in Costco. They're in like probably your local grocery store if you're in B.C. Like they're in a lot of places. So but you can check them out and they're they're a really great brand that's doing direct trade, fair trade and organic all sort of wrapped up in one and have been for for a long time now. And they're just they're doing a lot of really great work. So, anyway, <laughs> now that I'm done fangirling about them. At least not Camino today, okay? I'm I'm not going to make it a single episode without mentioning Camino, I swear to god. But anyway, um but yeah, so I think that's what I had for you today and um just like thank you all for your your notes of concern and everything. I am doing okay. Um I'm just, you know, I've been a little bit overwhelmed with fair trade month. It is a really really bananas time around here. Um and so I think with the the weekly schedule, it'll be a lot easier for me to keep up with. And, and I look forward to having sort of a more sustainable, longer term uh, project to share with you all uh, as the podcast switches to weekly. So um, thank you all so much for listening. Please do continue to um, visit the page for the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please do subscribe and then leave a five star rating and a review. Because that is apparently how a lot of people are finding us, says my, says my analytics. And the more that you do that, uh, the, the more that we'll achieve visibility on that platform. So apparently the algorithm just loves it and it helps out a super ton. And because I am, <laughs> as the past week has really demonstrated a, uh, just a one person army over here, <laughs> who's a little bit overwhelmed and lost in the sea of pros out here. Um, I really appreciate it. And it really makes a big difference to this tiny podcast. So thank you so much for those who have already done it. But I mean, I, you probably, I don't think you've done it. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure you haven't done it yet. So you should really, you should really go do that. <laughs> anyway, so Thank you so much for listening and uh, for all the feedback and the questions and everything that people have been sending. Don't forget to send your questions to podcast at rosettenetwork.com for the Q&A that we'll be doing next week. You can direct message us through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Rosette Network, and uh, you'll be able to submit your questions that way as well. Um, That'll do it for today. And thanks so much for joining me and bye bye for now.